Several weeks ago, I spoke with you about unshakable faith, about a faith that you have that just keeps you steady, that keeps you solid. In the midst of difficulties, in the midst of trying times, something that nothing will move you. We know from Scripture that we covered then that without faith, it's impossible to please God. God wants those who come to Him to believe that He is and to believe that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So we need to get this in our hearts and in our heads that God is a rewarder. Sometimes people, they get this false humility. Oh, well, I just want to... Remember the song, I'm satisfied with just a cottage below here. You remember that song? And those of you who were in church for a long time, you'd remember that. A little silver and a little gold, but in that city. I want you to know that God is... And there's almost this idea of, well, I don't really expect much from God. The word says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek them. God desires us. You see, when we want the reward of the Lord, when we want the favor of the Lord, when we want the blessing of the Lord, it shows that he's a priority in our lives. It shows that he is of utmost importance to us. So we are to earnestly desire and expect the favor, the goodness, the reward of the Lord. Paul told the Corinthian church to run just to be average. No. He said, run so that you can win the prize. Okay? Run to win the prize. It's not selfish to desire to be rewarded by the Lord. In fact, that's what overcomers do. They expect. They expect goodness. And that's what people who understand the word do. Because they expect God's word to be true. And he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. I won't have to follow it. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. When we have faith, it honors God. And God is searching for people of faith upon whom he can release his favor. People like Abraham, the son of a pagan, whom the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 31, verse 19, he said, how abundant are the good things that you stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all. So when God blesses his favor, when God blesses someone, it's in the sight of all. God does stuff publicly. He says that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. One of the things that you'll notice is that when someone has a deficiency of faith, when someone is lacking in faith, there will be some symptoms that are evident in their life. The first symptom that you'll see when someone is lacking in faith is they're going to be controlled by fear, okay? So when you find fear welling up in your life, you know that that's oftentimes you may be deficient in faith. When you find inaction, when you're paralyzed, and you won't step out. You won't do anything. Inactivity is oftentimes a sign of a deficiency of faith. And any time that there is disobedience, when there's disobedience, there's a lack of faith, a lack of trust in the Lord. A lack of faith causes people to shrink back. Okay? A lack of faith causes them to step back and not move forward. But God says... That if we shrink back in Hebrews 10, he will not be pleased with us. 
But the cool thing is the scripture says that we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and are saved. As I was preparing my message today, I sensed the need to talk to you about faith and a faith that will move you, okay? Not a faith that will just cause you to stand because we need a faith that's unshakable that enables us to stand. But there's seasons in which God is wanting to move his people. There's seasons in which the church, God's ready for the church to be on the move. And if we're going to be in touch with the spirit, we have to keep in step with the spirit. I sense that he is quickening the pace. And that we need to be willing to move with him and step with him. We found this quote, and don't compare quotes to scripture, but it was on the front of your bulletin. And we put it on the front of your bulletin, and it kind of, in a way, expressed what I sensed that God was doing. It says, faith is a bridge between where I am and the place that God is taking me. That God is doing something in our lives today, and we thank him for what he's already done. Some of us, when we look at how far God has brought us and all he has done in our lives, it's amazing. But friend, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. The goodness of the Lord. There is no limit to the goodness of the Lord. There's no limit to the things that God wants to do in our lives. And But what He, the thing that brings us from where we are to where God has for us is faith. I'd like to just talk to you for a few moments about what does Jesus say about faith? Okay? What does he say about faith? The Gospel of Mark records an account of Jesus cursing the fig tree. The disciples were astonished when they walked back through the area and saw that the tree had withered from its roots. So let's listen to what Jesus says. In Mark chapter 11, verse 12, it says that the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry and seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Now let's skip down to verse 20. And it says, In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from its roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered him. Truly, I tell you, if you have a red-lettered edition, these are Jesus' words, okay? So it's really important that you listen to what he says. He says, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the heart of the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say, notice what he says, that believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And then in verse 25, I would see this as like a prerequisite. And he says, and when you're standing and praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So before we get to faith, we really need to address this issue about holding stuff in our hearts. 
if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord's not going to hear my prayers. If I'm holding on to sin, in particular, if I'm holding on to unforgiveness in my heart, it's going to limit the breakthroughs that I'm going to get. It's going to limit the answers to prayer. It's going to limit my spiritual growth and my development. And so what I want to encourage you to do is that from the very beginning, from this moment on, that you just make up your mind, it doesn't matter what someone says, it doesn't matter what people do, it doesn't matter how people act, it doesn't matter about my past, none of those things, I'm not going to allow any of them to get in my heart and take root in my heart and keep me from receiving everything that God has. You know, it's just like when you hold on to bitterness or you hold on to unforgiveness or you hold on, you know, well, pastor, it takes a while because of the pain. We need to tell ourselves in advance, you know what? I'm just not going to be a bitter person. I just determined in my heart. Now, feelings may come and go. Emotions may come and go, but I'm just going to determine in my heart. I'm not swallowing that stuff. I'm not eating it. I'm not keeping that in my heart or in my life in any way. So, If you're going to get a breakthrough, the one thing we have to understand is if there's bitterness or unforgiveness and stuff, you're not going to get anywhere until you learn to deal with that. It doesn't have to be a six-month-long process. The reality of it is is we can go to the Lord right now in this moment and bring before him our needs and bring before him that pain, and we can choose in our hearts, Lord, I forgive. And here's the thing, I release them. I'm not holding on to that anymore. We can make that choice and that decision. The feelings and the emotions will come along later, okay? But we can make that decision. No, that's okay. I turn that over to the Lord. So we get that out of the way because we don't want that to hinder us at all, okay? But did you hear Jesus' words? He said, when you pray, don't doubt, but believe that you've received it and it will be yours. It's important for us to take hold of his words. James says in James 1, 6, he says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all their ways. So if your heart's filled with doubt, James clearly says you need to believe because if you doubt, you should expect to receive nothing from the Lord, okay? Matthew records this and he says that Jesus says, if you believe in Matthew 21, 22, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, here again, these are not the evangelist's words. These are not the pastor's words. These are the words of Jesus. This is his truth to us. At the raising of Lazarus, and we're just going to look through Jesus' ministry for just a quick flyover, some of the things that Jesus said. At the raising of Lazarus from the dead in John 11, Jesus said to his disciples, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? I want you to hear that. Jesus says, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. So in every situation in your life, seeing Lazarus raised from the dead, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God revealed in your life. 
will see his glory. That's Jesus' promise to us. His glory in, in all kinds of dimensions and all kinds of circumstances. In Luke 8, the woman with the issue of blood, you remember her. She was the one who pressed through the crowd. Now, here's the cool thing. Jesus did not stop what he was doing and say, wait a minute, I think there's someone here in a blue dress. The lady in the back, you're looking a little anemic. Come here. He did not call her out. He was walking by. And there was something in this woman's heart that she pressed through the crowd. She didn't get offended that he didn't stop. He's walking by and she presses through the crowd and she believes this. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And the Bible says that Jesus sensed as she reached out and touched him, he sensed that virtue went out of his body as she touched the hem of his garment. He didn't stop for her. She was seeking after him. She was pursuing him. And notice Jesus' words to her. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Now you go in peace. Well, while they're standing there, we would see as there was a crowd of people by, and there was a line waiting to get into contact with Jesus. And, And in that line, there was a guy named Jairus, and he was a synagogue leader. And Jairus, he's standing in line. He's waiting to speak to Jesus. He's waiting for his turn. And then his friends come up and they say to him, Jairus, don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter has died. His daughter was sick and deathly ill. He knew that if I could come, he knew if I can come, Jesus can do something. I believe that he can do it. Have you ever seen those caught on tape shows? All of us have seen them. It's always amazing how people, whenever there's a flash flood, there's always someone who thinks they can drive through it. You know what I mean? I got my four-wheel drive, and, or I have an all-wheel drive, and I can go through the flash flood. And I think of those people who are caught in a flash flood, and you'll see someone who has a lifeline, and they throw it out to them, and you'll hear them yelling, grab the rope, grab the rope, I'll pull you in. When I think of this portion of Scripture, I think of Jesus throwing a lifeline to Jairus. Because I can just imagine, here's Jairus, he's anxious, he's waiting to talk to Jesus because he knows if he can speak to Jesus, that Jesus might come and lay his hands on his daughter and his daughter will be healed. And I can just imagine the color going out of his face as his friends come and say, it's too late. Stop bothering Jesus. Your daughter is dead. Listen to the words of Jesus. Hearing this in Luke chapter 8, verse 50, hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. I can see Jesus because here's the reality. The currency of heaven, the currency for the kingdom of God is faith. That's what God values. That's what's important to God. That's what we offered him. How are you saved? By grace through faith. So the thing that moves God's heart is faith. He's looking for someone. And we find that throughout scripture, Jesus would go through towns. Now, here's the reality. He was the one who created the sun, the moon, and the stars. He's the one who, at his word, all that exists was created. What we find here is that Jesus is speaking to Jairus, and he's trying to take a hold, grab a hold of the line. Faith is a thing that God honors. Faith is the thing that he delights in. He loves it 
when you and I have faith. And that's what he's looking for, and that's what motivates, and that's what captures his heart. In Mark chapter 10, blind Bartimaeus is begging along the road to Jericho, and he hears that Jesus is passing by. He begins to make a ruckus and call to Jesus. And the people around tried to get him to be quiet. The Bible says that he refused and he shouted all the more. He captured Jesus' attention. And when he captured Jesus' attention, Jesus asked him, what do you want from me? And he said, I want to see. Mark chapter 10, verse 52, Jesus said, go. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. When someone has faith, when Jesus sees that they have faith, he says, what do you want from me? Isn't that amazing? He says that when you believe, you can ask and you will receive. In Matthew 17, a father brings his son to Jesus to be delivered. The disciples begin to pray for him. And the boy was unable to be healed by the disciples So they bring him to Jesus, and Jesus casts a demon out of him. Verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus in private, and they asked him, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, And it will move. And I want you to notice the last phrase in this verse. What does it say? Nothing will be impossible for you. I don't know about you, but did you notice whenever we sang that song, I believe that you're my healer? And then we sing, nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible Nothing is impossible for you. You hold my world in your hands. When we sing that, did you notice something welling up in your spirit? Something inside of you that nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. But here's what we usually do. A lot of times we look at ourselves and we believe that nothing's impossible for God. But we say, but who am I? Who am I? I believe that you could do it for Andy. I believe that you could do it for Pastor Rodney. I believe that you could do it for Stan, but I don't know if you could do it for me. But he says, if you believe, nothing will be impossible for you. What an incredible thought that God has the ability. Now, here's the truth. Jesus made this statement. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my word shall not pass away. Here's the truth of what we said. If you don't believe that, if that is not true, if Jesus said those words, that if you believe that nothing will be impossible for you, if he said those words, then you can go to the bank on it. And if those words are not true, then we're wasting our time. I'm going to tell you, if those words are not true, if those words are not true, we should tear this up. We should leave the building. We should never come back. Don't waste your time. I'm going to tell you what to do. If those words aren't true, 
have as much pleasure as you can for the next 30 years or 40 years or 20 years or 15 years that you, whatever amount of time you have, if those words are not true, then not one single one of his words are true. Either God is true or he's a liar. Here's the thing. He says that he cannot be mocked. He is a God who is complete truth. So whenever he says nothing will be impossible for you, then he means that. And just as we put our faith in him for our salvation, we can believe that whatever I bring to him, that my impossible situation is not impossible for him. That relationship that seems totally wasted and ruined, it's not impossible for him. That sickness, it's not impossible for him. That setback is not impossible for him. But he doesn't say for him. He says, nothing will be impossible for him. For you. Why? Because he lives inside of you. Because his spirit. And what is he looking for? He's looking for faith. He's looking for people who will believe and take him at his word. That's who I want to be. I want to be someone who takes him at his word because he says heaven and earth will pass away. But my word will remain. What does faith do? Faith always moves us to action and obedience. James says, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, in James 2.17, it is dead. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we live by faith and not by sight. So God wants us to put action to our faith. Even in salvation, there's action that's required. It's Romans chapter 10, I believe, verse 8. And it says, but what does it say? The word is near. It's in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message concerning faith that we have proclaimed. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And there's something else that's associated with it. And with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. I love that last phrase. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. As you've heard the word of God today, here's the reality. Faith begins to rise in our heart. And the reality is this, that when you believe in him, you will not be put to shame. In that portion of scripture, it's talking about at our salvation. But here's the other thing. You know, there's some times that faith requires us to step out. Faith requires us to act. Faith requires us to move. And sometimes we're embarrassed. Lord, what if this is me? I don't want to be a fool. Any of you ever worry about that? Man, I'm going to look like an idiot. If I say this, if I step out here, God, if you don't back me up, I'm going to look like a clown. I'm going to look so foolish. I'm going to be so embarrassed. I was thinking about the day I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. By the way, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that God still speaks to his people today. Uh, you can read through 1 Corinthians and talk about, talks about those things, that, how there's spiritual gifts that are to edify the body. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was a teenager, and I just rededicated my life to the Lord like 
37 seconds before. I knew about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I so wanted this to be something authentic. I was so afraid that this would be me. It didn't last real long that I was afraid of that, but it was this thing of, I don't want to be like a weirdo. I don't want to make something up myself. I don't want to be goofy in front of people. I don't want something that's not real. And as I begin to lift my hands and worship the Lord, I say, I just give my life to the Lord like 37 seconds before. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, why not now? I knew what he was talking about. I had just gotten cleansed. I just gave my life back to the Lord. I knew exactly what he was talking about. I lifted up my hands and as I opened my mouth, like I say, there's this, there's this part of me that, that goes inside. Well, what if this is you? What if it's just, it's just emotions? But the Bible says from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This is the of the Spirit. And from the inside, I just began to sense the Holy Spirit welling up inside of me. But there was an aspect of that. That had happened to me before. The Holy Spirit had welled up inside of me before at different times throughout my life. And I didn't know what to do with it. And I'd think, well, I'm kind of crazy here. I'm kind of weird. What is this going on? But whenever I stepped out and just began to open my mouth, you know, there's something powerful about our mouth. There's something powerful about what we say. And I just began to speak those things that the Holy Spirit was putting into my spirit. It was almost like there was an explosion from inside that came out. And the more I prayed in the spirit, I'm telling you, I never in my life ever experienced anything like that. It was almost like priming a pump and then just something from inside of you exploding out. And it changed me because before then, I would try to live for God and I couldn't. I grew up in a Christian family. I honestly thought that I was one of those ones who were destined for hell. That's what I thought, because I couldn't. I could live for God for 37 minutes in church, and when I get out of church, I'd go back to who I was. And I'd say, God, I want to be different, and I I just couldn't. I'm just being honest. I couldn't. Some people have more stamina to do it, I guess. I, I didn't understand. I didn't. But I'm telling you, whenever I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, as soon as I got out of there, first thing I do, I got in the van. I told you this a hundred times. I said to the people in the van, I got saved tonight. As soon as I got home, walked in the door, it's like three o'clock in the morning. Mom comes down to me. Mom, I got saved. She said, I thought you were saved. I said, no, I've been lying. I ain't saved. I ain't saved. No, I've been lying. I got on the bus Monday morning. My seatmate and thing. What'd you do? Joe, I gave my life to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus this week. I'm telling you, the power of God, there's something very powerful when the Holy Spirit is poured out in your life. But it requires us to, part of us is a surrendering. Part of us is speaking out what the Holy Spirit is giving to us. And faith is somewhat like that in in that faith starts to rise up in you and you're afraid to say it. You're afraid to speak it out. You're afraid of being embarrassed. You're afraid, well, this is me. But I'm telling you, it's the same principle that as you begin to declare the things that God has put upon your heart. You begin to tell people, you know what? God's going to save. Remember you told me that? That afternoon, right? Do you remember that? She said she knew God was going to use her to touch her grandchildren. She thought it was that God was going to touch her grandchildren. She's got grandbabies. That afternoon, her grandson got saved that very afternoon. Isn't that incredible? See, when you speak things in faith, when you declare, see, God is birthing it in you. He's placed it in you. And what he desires, what he needs is he needs someone who will declare on earth the will of God in heaven. 
That's all you're doing. You're simply declaring the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. I want to encourage you today as we step out, that you be one who's not afraid to step out in faith. See, because God's stirring that in your heart. I love that phrase. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Friend, he'll back you up. Hebrews chapter 10, 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Why? For he who promised is faithful. I want you to hear that again. Let us hold unswervingly to the faith we profess. For he who promised is faithful.